Hello and welcome back to Control Alt Delete. This is a short snippet of my new audiobook, Disconnected How to Stay Human in an Online World, published by Hodder and Stoughton on January the 13th, 2022. I'm really excited about this book coming out. It's looking at our relationship with social media, how a lot of us are rethinking our relationship with our phones, and a lot of us are wanting to log off or at least create some distance to get some of our time back and get away from the glazed over doom scroll. And after a year or more of reduced physical contact, this has made us more dependent on our phones and screens more than ever before. And according to research and anecdotes in the book, our focus on community and real connection has been sent off course. And we're becoming more aware of our time being robbed, how our data has made us a product to be sold. And so really the book is looking at where do we go from here and how can we get back on track? And in the book, I offer lots of tangible tips and advice and prompts and gentle nudges. This book is for anyone who might be feeling a little bit lost right now and wants to find time and yourself again. Hope you enjoy this snippet. And if you want to buy the audiobook in full, the link is in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Here is an example of how fatigued we are. There is a Facebook group that exists where you can pose a low stakes question and the members of the group make the decision for you. It says, can't decide between two shirts? Can't choose between pizza or spaghetti for dinner? Let this group make small decisions for you. It has 143,000 members. It reminds me of the monologue in the second series of Fleabag, when Fleabag is in the confessional booth. I want someone to tell me what to wear every morning. I want someone to tell me what to eat, what to like, what to hate, what to rage about, what to listen to, what band to like, what to buy tickets for, what to joke about, what not to joke about. I want someone to tell me what to believe in, who to vote for, who to love and how to tell them. Sounds extreme perhaps, but I do think it sums up a general feeling of overwhelm, of to-do lists, decision fatigue, choice paralysis, of the growing numbers of apps on our phones and the growing number of pressures put on us. We have so many options available to us now that sometimes I do look to the internet to tell me what to do. When we have too many choices to make, they rise up into a bottleneck and we become stuck. Social media and the way we are currently using it is fatiguing us. Over time, it's become a very different place to the online world we entered decades ago. Of course, the internet, or social media, isn't its own separate solo being that we can blame everything on. It is simply a reflection of us, the collective people who use it. But the algorithms, gamification and inbuilt technology have changed our behaviours, exhausted us and, quite frankly, manipulated us in the process. We reach for our phones first thing in the morning. We scroll until our eyes hurt. We focus on pings and dings and likes. We are taught that having a blue tick is synonymous with social status and a life of perks. We are rewarded for reaching inbox zero, as though it's the most difficult level of Candy Crush. Instagram is yelling self-help quotes at us, full of you shoulds and you shouldn'ts, telling us that we are not resting enough or working hard enough, or if we don't have a perfect work-life balance, then we are a failure. It wasn't that long ago that social media sites were a seemingly innocent place 
where we could talk to friends and express our identities through song lyrics and photos and pokes. But then we gorged and gorged, and now look at us. The bags under our eyes are practically suitcases. We are tired of being lied to, of companies creating tools and apps that they won't even use themselves. In 2017, a piece ran in the independent newspaper about Justin Rosenstein, the man who invented the like button on Facebook, stating that he had, in fact, deleted the app from his phone. At the time he invented it, he believed it was awesome, but later admitted he feared it brought bright dings of pseudo-pleasure. In 2020, Netflix aired the documentary The Social Dilemma, which at first I thought was just telling us everything we already knew. But it showed us, via the horse's mouth, how much darker it had become, resulting in the former employees at the big tech companies who designed the interface and engineered the addictive algorithms coming clean and cleansing their consciences. They explained exactly how the business models of social media companies are built on clever and strategic manipulation. They are now running for the hills, and some are setting up their do-good initiatives. Many believe that these companies first set out to do good. I'm not quite so sure. And it was suggested that the like button was originally intended to spread positivity throughout the world. However, it did always feel weird to like a friend's sad news because there was never a dislike button. And pressing a button is not the same as actually speaking to someone to check they're okay. The like button has consequently been deemed the most toxic feature on social media by the Royal Society for Public Health, as users felt it would continually pull them back onto the sites through endless, pointless notifications. Interestingly, Instagram has since become trialling not showing the number of likes a photo has. I've been experimenting with hiding the likes on my photos, and I'm loving it because it removes any measurement of a person's worth that was solely based on other people's decisions as to whether to like it or not. The way we started to inherently think, should I post this, because you're trying to second guess if people will like it, is completely at odds with any creative output. Good riddance like button. Of course, the person doing the posting can still compare or despair about how their post is performing, even if no one else can see it still sucks us into putting an arbitrary value or worth on the outward reception of our special life moments. I hope over time we can start to distance ourselves and unpick our relationship with this digital validation that most of us have grown up with. When these platforms eventually sold their souls to advertisers, we, the users, became the product. We are not only being sold to, but being sold. As compelling as the documentary is, it gives us a wake-up call but no real solution or next steps. Why are we so desperate to cling on to social media? What's the fear about stepping back from it? I often wonder if it's to do with the sunken cost fallacy, that we are worried that if we step back now, we might have to face the possibility that we could have wasted a huge portion of our lives to it. So we keep pedalling, trying to make it work for us. Our cultural obsession with productivity has also been exacerbated by our access to evolving technology and perhaps we are now in so deep that we feel as though we wouldn't know how to function without it. There were lots of strange conversations that came out of spring 2020 when practically the whole world was told to work from home, 
for a period of time. We were discussing Zoom fatigue, micromanaging bosses and wearing pyjamas on our lower halves. But one thing that really stood out was a conversation with a friend who was feeling down in the dumps about being reduced to just the basic mechanics of being online. Typing, zooming, emailing, churning, sending. She was missing the human contact, the brainstorms, the office chat, the handshake, the body language, the smiles. In short, she was missing feeling like a human. She said she felt like a robot, a machine, a thing that just presses buttons all day. And I said something similar. I felt like a content farm, someone who just posted things all day long on the internet. And regardless of your job, isn't that most of us now? We've morphed into people staring at screens, whether that's creating content for a living or sending emails at work or posting your family photos on Facebook. We are also fatigued at the amount of online abuse, especially that which is targeted towards women and specifically towards women of colour and the trans community. You wouldn't go to a pub where people were shouting and threatening to kill you, so why would you want to hang out somewhere like that online? We're living in a time when, sadly, many people who feel threatened by someone else's differing beliefs can turn into online trolls. As Steve Almond said on the One You Feed podcast, one of the basic forms of convenience now is the convenience of not having to see people you disagree with politically or socially or otherwise as fully human. This is the huge issue. People not seeing other people as human and therefore thinking they can spout whatever hatred they want to them. It's still an issue that doesn't have enough support or resources surrounding it. We can call the police if someone is being hurt, attacked or abused in the street, but online we just click a report button that doesn't really do anything. Why hasn't this evolved? Why hasn't this been taken more seriously? I'll explore this later in the audiobook when I discuss how to be a better online citizen. We are fatigued at feeling as though we have to play a game to be seen. This applies in our personal and professional lives. It's not healthy for our lives to be performed and ranked. A friend recently made a joke that his baby announcement and scan photo had a high level of engagement. When you really think about it, isn't it so weird that we're currently living in an online world like this that has been engineered for some posts to perform better than others? It harms our relationship with our work too. For artists, creatives and business owners, for example, when we start second-guessing what we should write, post, share. It's time to reconnect with ourselves, our most basic childhood selves, who were creative, direct, exploratory and believed in basic fairness. When children see unfairness, they call it out. When children want something, they go after it. Even if it is a delicious piece of cake or a big fluffy toy or a plastic yellow spoon, if we could only be more like that, we would find a way. We wouldn't be so influenced. We would want to express ourselves fully in our own way. If you enjoyed this snippet of Disconnected, How to Stay Human in an Online World, you can get your copy of the audiobook, ebook or print version via the links in the episode show notes below. Thank you so much for listening.